What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. And as always, today's guest is pretty cool. Everyone say hello to Gabriela Garcia. How are you, Gabriela? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. We were just talking about your fancy blue microphone. It's your first time <laughs> using it, right? It looks great. It sounds great. Yeah, I've used it a few times, but yeah, it feels very, very fancy. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, blue mic, they, they were, I feel like this is going to bore you and everyone else, but I have to talk <laughs> about it. Um, they came onto the scene like 15 years ago. All of a sudden, all like the Guitar Center ads, everything, it was blue microphone this, and they were, su- and they were very cool with their design. They're a very smart company with that. Um, you worked in music a little bit where we were kind of maybe talking about that before the podcast. I don't know if you have any experience with microphones, but I, yeah, I mean, I worked in music, but I didn't work directly with like recording. So uh-huh. I have zero knowledge of microphones. All uh-huh. I know is that my publisher sent me this fancy microphone and I, I just feel very cool and professional. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so my first job out of undergrad was in music. Um, I worked for Island Def Jam um, for Universal Music, mm-hmm. and that was, you know, sort of what I thought I wanted to do um, right after college. And I'd also like studied radio and television in undergrad. Um, I had double majored in that sociology, so just not, you know, not nothing having to do with creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worked as an intern and an assistant. Um, for the marketing department at Island Def Jam. Mm-hmm. Were you writing during that time? I mean, how far back, when did your writing kind of begin to take form into your life? I, you know, like many writers have been writing since I can remember. Like when I was a really little kid, I used to dictate stories to my mom and she would like write them down. So I've been writing all my life. Um, And around that time, I think I was mostly writing poetry, but it was nothing that I really shared or that I even thought was like, you know, good enough to be out in the world. Um, It took me like close to a a decade from that point, I think, before I, you know, pursued an MFA and really thought about publishing professionally. Uh Mm -hmm. So you're originally from the East Coast, right? I am. Yeah. I was born in New York and then raised in Miami. Uh-huh. And how long were you in each city? How long were you in New York? How long were you in Miami for? I'm a Jersey boy, but I spent every year going to Florida to visit, visit my Jewish grandparents in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So I had a similar experience in reverse because um, most of my family was in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was in New York, I think, until I was like five years old. So okay. really young. Um, I moved to Miami. But yeah, we, you know... All of my family, um, other than my mom and my grandma, were were in New York. So we'd go back for Christmas. We'd go back for the summers. Like I spent a lot of time in New York, and then um, and then I went back for undergrad. Um, I went to Fordham University in the Bronx, and then I ended up staying for um, several years after that. So uh, yeah, so I've spent a lot of time between Miami and New York. But so, but the majority of your childhood and teen years were spent in Miami. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was that like growing up in Florida? <laughs> um, I mean, it's it. I don't have much to compare it to. So mm-hmm. to me, it. I I thought that was just like what it you know what it was like to be a teenager. But of course, there were, you know, unique 
things that are that are quite unique to Miami. I mean, I grew up around. Was there a heavy things. heavy Cuban community where you grew up? Yeah, yeah, um, really large Cuban community, and also, uh, you know, immigrants from all over Latin America. Really, um, also large Caribbean populations. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, you know, hurricanes, um, you know, I was going to like clubs when I was in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I I lived It's a like, rowdy place. Yeah. I mean, I lived like 40 minutes from the beach or from anything yeah. cool. Yeah. Um so it's not like I live this like glamorous life of waking up and going to the beach every day, but yeah. but yeah, I wore shorts year round. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> and then so you, you made you went back to New York. You said you were pursuing the MFA at Fordham. That that was kind of no. Yeah, I about that. I went to New York for undergrad, so I went okay. to Fordham, um, and I double majored in sociology and communications, fo- focused on radio and television. And then it was about ten years from there until I got an MFA at Purdue. So what was going on? You said when you were graduating college, you thought you wanted to work in the music business. What kind of, what was leading you in that direction? I mean, what, what was your life? What was going on? Yeah. I mean, I had always um, loved music and I think, you know, I think at the time I, I just, I was just like, I love, I love music. I want to be around people making music. Like this is, this is the path that I, that I want to go on. Are you going to shows? And, um, um, yeah, I mean, I, the, it involves going to a lot of events, you know, a lot of like album release parties and yeah, yeah, listening yeah. sessions and things like that. Um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was kind of a morning to night job that just like took over my entire life basically. Uh-huh. Um, and it was fun, but ultimately I realized that, you know, I was more a music fan than someone who like really kind of wanted to see how the, the sausage gets made, as they say. Yeah, yeah you're the mm-hmm. third person to say that on the podcast. Oh, funny. really? Um, yeah, yeah. Nathan Englander famously said it. But yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, you know, for me, this podcast has been seeing how does the book world get made? You know, I'm a new author. And you're a new author. Um, for people who don't know, please tell us the name of your book that's going to be coming out soon. Of Women and Salt. There it is. And so I, my first book came out a year ago, you know, three weeks before the world shut down. And I'm like, well, shit, my everything's it's gone you know all the anything that was building up for the book was gone and i'm like you know i had this idea for the podcast i'm like let me see how this curtain because i've been in music my whole life i've been to those listening parties i've done i've been in the van i've been in the bus i've done all that shit mm-hmm. um for me the podcast is like let me see how all these off how these books get out into the world what goes behind them and who are the people that are making them and it's been blowing my mind because <laughs> everyone comes at it from a different angle you know some people like you said you were writing poetry as a kid some people didn't write anything until they were 40 um you know it's all different kind of walks of life and people like that so when you're yeah. in this music world it's kind of taking over your life are you doing any writing at that point then um yeah i think i was always writing, but it was, it was a private pursuit. You know, it wasn't something that I was sharing with people or putting out into the world. Um, I had a, you know, I had a series of jobs that were sort of writing adjacent that involved a lot of writing, but were not, you know, creative writing. I wasn't doing fiction Mm -hmm. writing. So like after that, you know, um, I had like 
an internship at Latina magazine and I was like writing news clips for them. Um, what was the magazine? Latina. Magazine. That was the name of the magazine. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, I had a, a year where I was working for the Miami new times, which is basically, um, at the time it was owned by the village voice. And it was basically like the alternative weekly. How was that Miami. experience? It was, was that fun. It was, yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, I got to do a little bit of editing work and I also, you know, I was writing about music. I was going to shows and writing about it and I was writing about culture and arts. So it was, it was great. And then, um, from that point, I went into organizing. Um, so kind of took a, a total different, so I, um, I started off doing like basically doing like deportation defense work, mm-hmm. um, at change.org, which is like the large petition website. Um, at the time though, it was also like a blogging website. So I was like blogging for their immigrant rights, um, section and that sort of developed into like organizing work. Um, my first job as an organizer. And then from there, I ended up working for another organization called Presente, um, doing migrant justice work. And then um, I ended up working for a feminist organization after that. Mm-hmm. And then I went to my MFA. So mm-hmm. quite different from Island Def Jam years prior to... Oh, I've been all over the place. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And do you think that comes out in your writing? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think I, I took the path that I needed to take. Like, I don't know, I don't know what I would have written about if I had like, you know, gone straight out of undergrad into an MFA, which uh-huh. you know some people are able to do, um, really well, but I think I was not ready at that, at that point. And I think, you know, all of those years of many different experiences and trajectories, like certainly has sort of enriched, um, you know, my imaginative real estate and, and what I, what I gravitate toward writing about. Mm-hmm. Imaginative real estate. That, <laughs> I just made that up out of thin air. <laughs> well, no, it works because it's true. You know, it's just like, you know, we have to allow ourselves, right. The ability to match still be, you know, I'm 33 and it's silly. I find it silly for me when I'm writing things to, you know, to f- again, let go of my imagination because as you get older, it's, you know, you're kind of, Society kind of pushes, you know, imaginations for kids, you know, you're not supposed to be imaginative as you get older and bills kind of oh, start going totally. up, you know? Yeah. Um, so I like that imaginative real estate. So then, <laughs> all right. So you, you got to go through all of this and you're doing that and you're this, when did this book kind of start to form? When did, you know, when did you kind of get the inklings for what will become this book? Yeah. So some of, um, what became the book I was, I was writing before, um, my MFA, um, and some of it I was writing during my MFA. Um, well, let me stop you there. I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. The MFA thing is an interesting thing. We've had some people on the podcast who swear by it. We have some people on the podcast who thinks that it's a complete waste of your time. Um, it's interesting that you say you started writing the book before you started the MFA and then after. Did it change? Did that change you? You're right. I mean, you know, are you happy it happened that way to kind of split it up that way? Absolutely. I think, I mean, I, I feel like I learned so much and became such a better writer Uh um, during my time in the MFA. Also just that time spent, you know, 
sort of solely focused on my artistry yeah. um, was just so valuable to me. You know, I think it's, you know, MFAs work for you if, if that's what, what you want to do. And if not, that's cool too, you know? Um, but for was me, this it was your first time really sharing valuable. your work with people. You said you had kind of been a person who never really talked about it you. was like, truly, I had never taken a workshop. I had never shared my creative writing. I was sort of, um, you know, shocked to even get into, um, the program that I wanted to go to. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was great. And, you know, I was really lucky to have, you know, some really wonderful, um, mentors who just like encouraged me also during the MFA. But yeah, my book um, came out of like basically what was my thesis, um, the novel that I turned in as my thesis. Eventually, you know, I worked to revise it a little bit more, but that's basically what forms of women and salt. Are you someone who's fond of routine? Do you write same time, same place? How did the book come to be? Not even a little bit. I'm like wildly undisciplined. I mean, you know, what, what's going on? Are you dating at the time? What's going on in your life? I, um, I, so I was, I was thinking about this, this thing that my, um, the poet Kabe Akbar used to say, which is that there's like some writers who are ox who basically need to like, just till the land every day. And so that's, that's how, you know, that's how <laughs> they work. And then there's some who are cats who are just sort of more spontaneous and um, kind of just go, you know, are inspired when they're inspired. And I think I'm very much like a cat writer, you know? Um, I go through these like feverish writing periods and I like to write at night, you know? Sometimes I'll like write all night. Um, and then other times I I don't and I'll just be, you know, reading and thinking or whatever. So yeah, I don't have a routine. I think it's really cool that some people do where like I wake up at a certain time and use my special pen and sit in my special chair. And like, I wish I had like a really cool routine like that, but people think I'm fucking crazy because I do that. And you, you say it's cool, but I tell people I do that and they look at me, they're like, how, what? Like, I mean, I wake up every day at the same time. I write at the same time. I do the same thing. And to me, I'd go crazy if I couldn't do that. That would make me go insane. I, I'm the total opposite of the cat. You're person. an ox. Yeah, yeah. total <laughs> opposite. Uh, yeah, I'm going to remember that one for sure. Wait, who was the poet who said that? Kave Akbar. Yeah. yeah. I don't okay. know if he made it up or... Yeah, but Doesn't he's matter. the one who who told me that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so you, you, you're you going to self-define yourself as the cat person writer. Um, and <laughs> Which makes us on like multiple levels because... I like love cats too. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Yeah. I have, um, I, we have Reba's the famous puppy on the podcast, but she was being naughty Aww. before. So she is in her crate at the moment. Cause she was barking, um, <laughs> at the neighbors, but, uh, yeah. Anyways, but yeah, that's interesting. Okay. So you're piecing together this stuff. You go to your MFA program. You then finish the novel. Um, again, I've never stepped foot in an MFA program. I've never sat in a lecture. I don't know the inner workings of that. Um, it seems to be a lot of people say, you know, it's not the sausage factory, but it's just, you know, you, you, you grind it in, you're doing whatever it is they're doing. And at the end you are, you know, kind of spit out, but there's places for you to go. Um, can you explain how you went about getting this novel into the people, the hands of the people who could make it a reality for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think 
my my paths of publication is is not representative of most paths. So, uh-huh. um, you know, I think I was I was really lucky for a number of reasons. But I um yeah, I mean, one of my you know really good teachers and mentors is Roxanne Gay, mm. and um, she's just been such an incredible supporter of my work and just incredibly encouraging. So um, when I graduated, she tweeted about my novel. She'd been on my thesis committee, so she'd read it and she she tweeted about it. Um, and around the same time, I also had won a Rona Jaffe Foundation Writers Award, um, which is, you know, basically a monetary award that, you know, allowed me a year to continue working on my novel. Um, so those two things were sort of happening simultaneously. And so um, I sort of, you know, got this this flood of agent interest. Um, And at that point, I was just like, I'm not ready. Like, I think I could work on this, like, for so much longer. Like, I I knew nothing about um, agents or, you know, any of the business of publishing. Had you you even written a query letter? I had not, you know, (laughs) I hadn't even thought I was, like, at that point or, or ready. But it was sort of like, okay you know, people are asking for it. Like, let me just, you know, send it, whatever. Um, but yeah, I ended up really, really loving, um, my agents who are PJ Mark and Mariah Spence. Um, you know, they just, they understood what, what I was trying to do. And I just, I like just loved them. So I ended up working with them and, um, worked on it with them for a few months and then, you know, it went out on submission. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned Roxanne Gay and then you mentioned Twitter and you know, it, it Twitter, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm new to Twitter self-admittedly. I'm not, I'm not good at it. I'm not, I don't really get it. Um, I also know it's not really meant for me. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm a white straight male. People don't want to care about me on Twitter right now. Um, <laughs> that being said, with the tweets and things like that, I mean, it's amazing that what one tweet can change everything for someone. Um, and I mean, with the Roxanne Gay thing, I, I and you know, maybe we can get her on the podcast and we could talk about you know her talking, her tweeting about about you. Um, but you had said that she was a mentor of yours. Um, what was that like having her in your life and working with her? And you know, you know, having yeah, it's it's been wonderful for so many reasons. Both, um, you know, everything I've learned from her about about writing, about being a writer, uh-huh. um, about na- navigating the publishing industry. I mean, she, she's just, she's wonderful. Um, and I think she, like, she's been really good at sort of pushing me. Like I said, um, I think I would have probably, you know, revised and worked on the book for, I don't know, maybe years before I even like. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like that, you know, and I, and I just like hold on to things. And I think she, she has always sort of, um, you know, just like pushed me to share my work. And, and I think that was actually like a, like a really helpful push at that time. Like, okay, you know what, like just send it to Uh agents, you know? Uh Um, so yeah, so I'm just immensely, immensely grateful that I have her as a resource and a mentor. Yeah, no, again, the Twitter thing, it's unbelievable. We had Doug Stanhope on the podcast only because 
I, he's a you know, famous stand-up comedian. And uh-huh. he, he was on Twitter. He's like, I'll come on your podcast. And he put a Zoom link in the thread. And I put a Zoom link and he popped on. So, I mean, anything with Twitter, you know, it, it's it's cool that we live in that age. And it's crazy to think that if, you know, if our books had come out in 1990, you know, what what what, what would have been like then? I, I don't know. You know, the social media thing is very interesting. I don't know. Are you are you deep into social media? I, I'm honestly not. Like, I'm more of a... Um lurker <laughs> like I, yeah, I for sure you know um I like to you know sort of see the conversations happening on Twitter yeah. or see my friends Instagram posts I'm not someone who's like posting super regularly at yeah. all um well, well can I ask you a question yeah as a debut author in the year 2021 do you feel any pressure to have a social media presence You know, I think, I mean, I think sometimes, um, that, that pressure can be overblown. Like I've, I've never had a publisher, like, you know, demand that I do more on social media or that I participate in a way that I don't want to. Um, and I think it, you know, I mean, social media can certainly be like a, a great tool to connect with readers. Um, but only if like people are genuinely engaged and enjoy it and, you know, um, so, so I, I mean, I don't know, maybe there is a pressure and I don't, I don't know about it, but I don't feel it, you know, I'm, I continue to sort of use it in the way that I was using it before. Um, and that's, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's other authors who are, have like no social media presence, but, are killing it. So, you know, yeah. I think that's fine. And then, and then I, but I also feel like the opposite where there's a lot of authors who have a heavy social media presence and their writing blows, but maybe that's just, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, uh, so anyways, so you finished the book. Are you the kind of person, are you writing the next book already? Were you writing something before? Are you going to take some time? How do you approach? What do you, what do you do now? Um, I, wish I was writing the next book. I feel uh-huh. like this uh pandemic year has been terrible for my writing life. Um, really? Yeah. I mean uh-huh. I have have you know a lot of time but just lacking the the concentration and you know just the ability to like quiet my mind enough to to write. I've I've written in, in like small stretches. So like you know um, I've been working on poems or like revising older stories, but I haven't started on a larger project yet, but uh, I have some ideas brewing and I'm hoping, you know, to sort of come out of this mental fog and hopefully write more again. Yeah. I mean, you know, if there wasn't a pandemic, I'm assuming you would have been on your first book tour, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's going to be virtual. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a different debut experience for sure. Yeah. No, again, we've had a multitude of debut authors and again, they talk to me and they're like, you know, they feel like they're on the Howard Stern show of book podcasts. And I'm like, cause, cause again, I feel like if this pandemic had never happened, you know, podcasts like this wouldn't maybe have not been started. And it's like, now I feel like this is going to turn into when people go back on book tours, when they come to San Francisco, part of it's going to, you know, they're going to come on the podcast as part of the tour, you know, uh, cool. that would be kind of dope. Well, Gabrielle, thanks so much for spending the time to talk with us. Um, I always ask two questions at the end. First one, you kind of already answered, but I'll ask you again. What is your handle? What's the Twitter, Instagram? Where are people finding you? Sure. So they're both the same on Instagram and Twitter, and they are 
Gabby M. Garcia. So G-A-B-I-M. Um, G-A-R-C-I-A. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, I know you're living in the Bay Area now, but uh, give a shout out to some bookstores you want people to buy your uh, books from. Sure. Um, so there's tons of great ones in the Bay Area. I love Green Apple Books. I love Alley Cat Books. Um, City Lights. Um, in Miami, Books and Books is great. Um also, some favorites in New York are Word Up Bookstore. Me okay, Mundos. I don't know that one. Is that in Manhattan? It's in the Heights, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then there's also Mil Mundos in Brooklyn, which I really love. Um, yeah, those are just a few. Oh, there's also in Indiana, where I lived briefly um, by Purdue, Second Flight Books is wonderful. Yeah. Indiana. Mm-hmm. I have some uh, touring stories about Indiana, but that's not what this podcast is about. All right. Exactly. Thank you so much, uh, Gabrielle. <laughs> thanks so much for taking the time. And last, please, the name of the book when it's coming of out. Of Women and Salt. We love mm-hmm. it. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks. Bye-bye.